Before you start listening to this episode of the Life After Life podcast, I would just like to warn you that in this episode, we discuss topics surrounding the sudden death of a young infant and also loss through suicide. So if these are topics that you are currently dealing with and finding it difficult to talk about, please consider listening at a later date when you will be more able to process what we talk about. Um, I understand that it will be upsetting to some listeners. So please proceed with caution. Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to another episode of Life After Life with me, Sandy Byrne. And today I have joining me all the way from Colorado in the United States is Peggy Green. And Peggy is a grief coach, a speaker and an author. And the reason that I have asked her to come and talk to us on this episode is because um, Peggy is obviously a grief coach, but she has... um, a very sad backstory in that she has lost two children and you know it's through her experience of that that she helps other people so first of all welcome Peggy we're so honored that you would join us thank you so much for having me and I am thrilled to be here with you from across the pond <laughs> across the pond yeah <laughs> so look Peggy I really want to start with hearing your story because you know we we sympathize so much obviously with anyone who has a loss but a parent that loses a child but you've lost two can you tell us what happened yes and thank you Sandy so yes the um having lost two children I sometimes just don't even realize that and the magnitude of that and so my first loss was nearly it was over 30 years ago so three decades ago in 1991 um, my nine-month-old daughter was at an in-home daycare and the circumstances around that was is that my then husband was traveling for his job and so he couldn't take her to places and the job that i had was very long and non-traditional hours i would Mm -hmm. start at 6 a.m in the morning and sometimes get off at two or three in the afternoon or start at one in the afternoon not get home until two or three in the morning and it was not feasible for me to have family watching her and so we chose a woman who was like a grandmother she was referred to us by one of our neighbors and this woman just had a heart of gold and one day she had just put Courtney down for a nap and Courtney never woke up it was an accident it wasn't a safe circumstance and that was 30 years ago and 30 years ago there wasn't support to help me get through this speaking of her loss was like an elephant in the room that nobody wanted to address, especially her father. Um, yeah. And so years and years, I endured really not being able to speak about her. Even when we went to grandma's house that she had a little apple tree that had all the grandchildren's name on it. And she would remove Courtney's because ah. when we went over there, my children didn't know about her. 
because their uh, dad would share. The other nieces and nephews did, but as my children grew older and could start to read, they would want to ask. And so I finally was able to use a photo album that my sister gave to me to sit my children down and share with them that they had an older sister. But speaking about her was difficult with other friends and getting that support. And I can't imagine. And, and, you know, you say like, you know, 30 years, but it really doesn't matter, you know, how long ago it was. I always say time doesn't make it easier. It just helps us to get used to living with it. You know, you get used to putting on the face, hiding the pain. But, you know, I'm sure when people talk about her, you know, there's still that pain. You still miss her in your arms, you know. Um, so and don't make you know don't feel like you have to explain yourself to us as to why you had childcare or anything because every one of us as working mothers and it always falls back to us doesn't it the father's like oh well I've just got a job you know so you have to find the childcare you have to find the babysitters you know so it does it just falls back to the mothers um what was it like? And if I get too personal at all, just tell me to stop talking. But I just can't imagine, you know, you know, how did you find out? Was it a phone call? Did they wait till you came home? Did someone come to see you at work? Like, what was that like? Yeah, that was harrowing. It was on a Wednesday afternoon. And because of the hours that I was working, and act- that week, my then husband was home, he was in town. And he was the one that took her to work that morning and um, was supposed to be picking her up. And and I was working and with some co-workers and I got Paige to pick up a phone call and it was the local police. And they just told me that something was wrong with her and I needed to get to the hospital as soon as possible. And they offered to either have somebody come get me or to said you've got to have a co-worker drive you and that was across town it was rush hour traffic and I was like by the time the police get here even with the police escort and their lights and stuff and and to get back to where I needed to go I chose to have a co-worker drive me and it was rush hour and he was along the freeway you know on the on the medium and driving down and when we hit stoplights he would just do crazy things to get through the intersections and matter of fact i'd never been to this hospital so we wound up going to another place that i thought was a hospital and yeah when he got out to go check on it he told me don't take this car and because you know i was anxious and i i I had no idea this 30 years ago we didn't have cell phones we didn't know our sat navs (laughs) now nothing to be able to keep me in touch and and it was heroin and I couldn't imagine because he just said something was wrong. And mm. when we finally found the hospital and got to that emergency room driveway, in that driveway, two men were standing there. One was my dad who I did get in touch with before I left. I couldn't get in touch with her dad. The other, as soon as I got close enough, I could read his name tag and it said Chaplin. And I knew my daughter was dead. Immediately, I knew she was dead and didn't have to say a word. My mom was waiting inside with, you know, while waiting for me and my father to come back in. And we were ushered into this small private room. And um, as I 
continued desperately with multiple phone calls to find my then husband. I shared with one of her, one of our our friends, you know, friends of the two of us that I, he was joking around like, oh yeah, I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. And I finally in, in sheer desperation yelled at him and said, Corny's effing dead. He beat my husband to the hospital, he and his wife. Um, because, and, and, and he, my husband was informed at the daycare to come directly to the hospital. And Gosh. that's how we found out. I can't imagine. I know, well, from just experience, we lost a family member in a road accident. He, he um, had a motorcycle accident. And when the hospital rang home, they told us that he'd been in an accident and we should, you know, make our way to the hospital. And they rang the, they rang back then after about 20 minutes to tell us that he'd passed. And he was passed, apparently he was passed, but they don't tell you always immediately because they said you can go into shock. So the doctor had just said on the phone, can you make your way to the hospital to my mother? Um, and, you know, where the accident had happened was like um, about, you know, 90 minutes from where we lived. And as she was getting ready to go, then they just rang back and said, I'm sorry, but he's gone. And when she got to the hospital, they said that he had he was actually gone, but they didn't want her to go into shock by telling her straight away. So I don't know if that was the situation with your daughter, but it may it, it may well have been something similar. Um, you may have found out in, in the years um, in between. And I'm so sorry. You know, I wish I could say something that was going to make that better. But I'm here. And as a mother, back in 1991, I was just, you know, finishing school and I wouldn't have understood then. But as a mother now, you know, um, I couldn't imagine what that must have been like. And yeah, fast it, that losing a child is a mother's worst nightmare. And then and until I think even that we're a mother, that we don't don't understand that. Because even before that, my sister had her stepdaughter die in a um, motor vehicle collision from a drunk driver. And oh. I didn't have children at that time. And I didn't fully understand it either. Yeah. I mean, we do. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that um, people that don't have children can't be sympathetic. Of course they can. A hundred percent. And I don't mean to make it sound like that. But um, I think we all, as you know, when we do have children, we imagine ourselves in that situation you know, what would we do? I remember my own sister saying to me when she had her second child, because, you know, her first child was obviously everything. And she said, you know, when I had my second child, the first thing that I thought was, well, what if happened, something happened to one of them, I'd want to go with them, but then I'd have to leave one behind. You know, and she said, it became about a decision all the time. So I know where you're coming from. And then we fast forward a few years till when? In 2018 is when my son passed away and similar type of thing that um, I was driving home. It was December 14th and I was driving home in rush hour traffic mm -hmm. and December 14th, what's on my mind, but Christmas. And of course, and you just and had Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I just had had Thanksgiving and Christmas time and looking forward to it and of course my to-do list and enjoying the weather and, and enjoying looking at the lights and the beauty and I was lost in thought and and then my phone rang much different I had a cell phone and my phone rang and this time it was my older daughter who called 
and I heard her saying, it must have been somebody else in the background, I know he hasn't been feeling well lately. And I immediately knew she was talking yeah. about her brother because they worked at car dealerships side by side. And they were frequently found in each other's showrooms and that they yeah. were supporting each other, goofing off or you know, working together. But I immediately knew and I pulled off the highway because that mother's instinct just kicks in. I just, uh, because I knew if I need to turn around, the next exit was miles down the road yeah. for me to turn around. And as I sat on that side of the road, my daughter said, with tears and sobs, she said, Mom, I just don't know how to do this, but this is the hardest thing I'm ever going to tell you. But Connor is dead. He killed himself. Oh. So I slammed my hands on that steering wheel and said, God, how? Why? I've already lost one. How can this happen yeah. again? Oh, my God. And what age was Connor? Oh, Connor was 24 years old. Just a baby when you think about it. You know, from my age, looking back, I would have thought I was very grown up and mature at 24. But looking back now, I just see that he was such a baby. And having lost your baby daughter, what was your daughter's name? Oh, Courtney. Courtney. Sorry, you said that. So having lost Courtney, um, and you had Connor and your daughter. So you had two living children at that point after Courtney? Um, I actually had four children. Um, so okay. Courtney, Brittany, Connor. And then Hannah. And then Hannah. Um, mm -hmm. So so you went from four down to two. Yes. And t tell me, okay, because, okay, I have a, a friend that I grew up with, okay, and we went to school together and we grew up just a few doors down from each other. And she lost her son to suicide a couple of years ago. It's coming up to two years, I think now. And, you know, she's hurting still okay and i say still she's always going to hurt okay i'm sure you still hurt how did you get, 2018 that's what five years ago now um th about three and a half actually three and a half sorry yeah. there's my my bad maths um <laughs> <laughs> so you're just a little bit further down the road not much but a little bit further have you come to terms with it do you think yes Yes, and, and one of the things here, Sandy, is that has been so significant in me being where I am that I can talk about it. I've written books, but in between those child losses, I've experienced many other family losses. Both my yeah. parents have passed. My sister passed at 53. Um, I've had a niece pass by suicide. Brittany, my oldest daughter, her best friend, and several other of her friends have passed by suicide. And so, you know, I've just experienced so much. The magnitude of my losses, I think, sometimes overwhelm me. When I stop yeah. and think about it, it's like, wow, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I mean, there's no guarantee on the number of losses that we'll experience or whatever, but they've been many. Yeah. Yet I've been able to navigate and manage to make it through those. And, and, and that's why I wrote books. It's because it's like, wait a minute, this is how I'm getting through this. This is what has worked for me. And it was interesting after Connor passed away. I mean, we have social media now. We do. And I started just free posting, free blogging on Facebook 
what my journey was and and how my heart was hurting and 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 the tragedy and 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 trying to come to terms with it and accept it and all those emotions that we go through and asking why mm-hmm. and about the fourth month when i look back i saw that i was starting to share not only my heartache but maybe some of the things that i was experiencing in and what i was using how to move through this and as friends and followers are like man this is helpful you need to write a book i was like That's wow i the books never thought from. about writing a book but entirely different from that, Sandy, because I thought, okay, that's great. I'll just pull all those Facebook posts off and um, put those into a book and I'm done. Not the case. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot more work involved, I'm afraid. (laughs) Yes, yeah, there's a lot more work involved. However, those first 365 days are available on my website, unedited, okay? And it just, it's my journey. In the pictures, my thoughts, my three-week road trip, you know, and how I started processing because I knew I was encouraging others. So I felt a commitment to myself because it was very cathartic and very healing for me and for the others that were following me to say, this is what I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm. So then, yes, I discovered that, no, my Facebook posts are not a book. They're a PDF. (laughs) It's my journey. (laughs) But, it's like a, a diary more so you could have published it maybe as a grief diary uh, more than yeah. the, than advice but um as you say it's on the website for people to have a look at do yeah. you mind if i ask you okay and were you angry with connor maybe a little bit initially but no especially as i Suicide leaves a lot of questions. Why? Why is the huge question? And so I felt like an investigator reporter finding out why did this happen? And so I, you know, contacted his friends. I went through his Facebook messages, through his text messages and anything that I could find. And I did that to get answers. And along with that, I found out who does it and and where and what are the circumstances? And one of the foundations I found for so many people who choose suicide over life is pain. The pain that they're experiencing, that pain can either be physical or can be a mental. And I actually think with Connor, it was life circumstances that got heavy, that he didn't know that there was a way out in between what he was going through. He was 24 getting grounded in life, you know, with the job, he was doing well, but then he had some other things that just didn't quite work out, you know, relationships and and money and just felt that there was no other solution. And it was that pain of uncertainty. And and I think he was possibly afraid of failure and, and how to be able to get out of the circumstances that he was in. And I believe that's why in when somebody's experiencing so much pain like that, I cannot be angry at them for making that choice because it's their choice. Now, had I wish, and these are all the things that go with suicides, like, well, why didn't he talk to me? You know, mm-hmm. why didn't I see the signs? Why, why, why? But, you know, in hindsight, 
and it was 24 and I at 24 and we actually lose control of our kids at three that they gain their mind <laughs> you know that, no, I wear this. Um, no I won't eat that yeah. so we cannot they cannot be controlled no. and not knowing that he was in such horrible pain there's sometimes we just can't do anything about it so yeah. not to be angry not to be guilty of not seeing things not to make myself guilty or accountable i couldn't control him i didn't cause his circumstances i couldn't cure his problems i could help him to a degree to what he would share but there was no way that I could be angry because I know, and especially after the first circumstances with the babysitter, if I har harbored that anger yeah. for the rest of my life, I would have no life. I would not have health. I wouldn't be able to enjoy my other children. And I am in a good place now that I enjoy life. I look forward to seeing my son again. I have made a commitment to serve others through this experience because I know that my son would want me to be helping others because of his choice. You know, he was a, he was a kid. He was a kid that would serve yeah. others in spite of at the detriment of his own um, safety or his own job. You know, he would, he would help others move. He'd miss work to help them move or stay up all night to talk to one of his mentees. He was involved in 12-step um, rehabilitation programs. He would stay up all night and talk to them, and he had just this huge heart. So there's no way that I could harbor that because I know that he would want me to be helping others and say, you go get him, Mom. You help others because I've made this choice, and I believe that he is looking at me and proud of me. Of course he is. Um, why wouldn't he be? I mean, look look at what you're doing to help other mothers. And um, what about parents um, who have lost um, someone to suicide, a child, um, say? Um, I meet so many that are angry with themselves. They think, you know, should I have seen something? Why couldn't they talk to me? You know, was I not approachable? Um, you know, they're blaming themselves in some way. You know, how do you deal with that when you're dealing with a parent in that situation? Well, very similar to what I was saying, that um, through the 12-step programs, they have something called the three C's, cure, cause, and control. And that's where it's like, we, we can't control them. They, are, they have free will. They have minds. We can't cure their problems. And we can't mm -hmm. control them what their actions are. And I, for me, and this is covered in my first or my second book where I talk about the three phases to move through grief to healing, but acceptance is huge. And acceptance that you couldn't cure or cause or control them, except that this has happened. In spite of our best efforts, we cannot bring them back. We can't change the circumstances. And one of the things to do is give ourselves permission to grieve, permission to accept, and permission to heal. But with that is like, I accept that this has happened. Do I like the circumstances? Do I like yeah. the outcome? 
Heck no, we don't. But when we can accept we are where we hear that we're where we are here and now, we can't let what's happened to us in the past influence and change our total outcome. It changes some, but it can't dictate it. We to live in that grief, I know is not healthy. And to be able to say, hey, yes, I, I accept this, accept that my trajectory, but now we have a choice. You have a choice to make. Is Am I going to sit and say, this is sad, this is terrible, I'll never ever get over it? We don't get over it, but you can't give yourself permission to move forward and have yeah. a purpose and to live and live for others. One of my favorite sayings here, Sandy, is that you have one purpose in life, one person in life that you need to live for. And that one person is you. you. You deserve yet to move on, to carry on, to move forward, live life. You're not, we don't forget our children. No, we don't. And I'm, I'm, I'd imagine, because I, I haven't experienced it, I'd imagine that taking that step forward and making changes that, you know, you probably do feel a little bit of guilt and you think, you know, I'm doing this without you. You know, I'm moving on. I'm living life. But as you say, you have to do it. Do you think that your experience with Courtney, um, I, I don't think, I suppose it would be very unfair for me to say that you were better able to handle the loss of Connor. I, I, I don't think that would be right. But, you know, did you find that maybe there was more anger when Courtney passed? Oh, Sandy, this has been an interesting concept for me in comparing my grief with my two children. Yeah, very, that's very true. And I take um, Courtney, <coughs> Courtney was nine months old, very short life. Not yeah. that I didn't grieve for her. And Connor was 24 and his was on his own hand and it's been interesting to see that i i feel like i've grieved for connor more now 30 years ago i don't remember all that pain just like a mother we 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 can remember when we birthed our children that we had pain but we can't recreate it you know i can't no. physically re recreate that pain so i think that that's part of it is that the pain has eased with Courtney and circumstances were different and not that my other children that followed were rainbow children to replace her, but they were planned yeah. and that I had more. So I had a family and, and now that Connor's gone, I'm, I'm not having more children, mm -hmm. but I still can share and love my, my love and for my children that I have. And I have two grandchildren and another one on the way wow. so that I can still be present, be a loving more, more for more, more comes from my Swedish heritage. And instead of grandma, I'm more, 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 more that I can be, that I can be more, more and I can be present. And in between those, like I said, I, I, I experienced a multitude of other losses and I just have amassed more tools when you ask how it's different in my grief and if it's better. It's just I've, I've accumulated life experiences and those come from, I have a training and in, in background in personal training and fitness and nutrition and health and wellness. 
in plus all the personal development that I have experienced. I've used personal coaches and the way I think about circumstances. And then my lifestyle, my experience and how I've made it through this. And so that are the tools, the toolboxes that I bring together. And that's what's enabled me to be able to navigate such a, a, a second tragedy in my life and who I, I am. Yeah. No, I get it. And, and, you know, it was an insensitive question. I shouldn't have asked it. I do apologize because I know that, that, that it, it, it's not comparable between the two. And I didn't mean it to, to sound that way. I was just wondering, you know, I suppose, well, it doesn't matter really, but I, I just can't imagine. And I'm just kind of here thinking, you know, <laughs> what can I ask her that's not really going to bring her back there? That's not going to upset her. And at the same time, I hear from so many parents, you know, um, when I meet them, you know, do talk about them. Do ask me the questions because I, you know, they they did live. They were part of my life, and still are part of my life. So you kind of sometimes you feel like you're walking, you know, a thin line. I don't want to upset anybody, but then I, I do by trying not to upset people. So I apologize. I shouldn't have asked it. Well, no, no, Sandy, and and let me share something with you. Is by sharing my story, I'm healing and I'm helping others. Um, I am a guest on podcast and I love sharing my story. In one of my recent podcasts, Reach Somebody, which has actually, I'm, I'm really speechless about this because a woman messaged me after hearing this very similar type of podcast I gave some more specific details on, on location. She's here in the United States. And her message was to me, I recently listened to your podcast. I lived in that cul-de-sac with the daycare with that woman. We moved in wow. about that time. I've always wondered and prayed for that family. Hearing your podcast, I know that's you. And now that we have sons who have committed suicide together, I feel we need to get together. So she knew of Courtney. She knew of that experience. Her son has passed away from suicide now. And now we're going to connect. We've connected. And had that story not been shared, I wouldn't be able to make a difference for this woman. And her heart and just... I've prayed for you for 30 years and wondering how your family. And so don't, and others may not feel the same way in being mm -hmm. able to share this story. Sure, if I cry, hey, that is part of it. Yes. Because I, I have given myself permission to feel my emotions and experience my grief whenever and wherever it happens. And if that is on a podcast, so be it. But the thing is, is that if I weren't sharing this, I wouldn't be able to serve others. I wouldn't be able to help others. Now, others that you interview or speak to may not be open to speaking about it. And if you preface your questions, like, if this is too sensitive, tell me no. And I will. I've had people ask me some more details and I said, that's just, you know, it's just not someplace that I think we need to go for this conversation. But it's not, um, it's not so insensitive because it may encourage somebody as they know that the pain that I've experienced and 
what I've done. I talk about the perseverance and the and the courage to walk this journey. It's painful. But I compare this whole journey, Sandy, to like being injured. I was recently in an automobile accident, three fractures in my left hand, cast, and, and my thumb was immobilized. And when it came out of that cast, it was still painful, but I knew I had to do the physical therapy, which was painful. Mm-hmm. And now it's about 98% better, 95, 98% better, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's the same as our grief journey, is that to walk through that pain and to be able to talk about it and to grieve and feel sad. And if you need to be angry, you can do that. You know, if you need to forgive, you can do that. You can feel those emotions. That's that pain, but there's light that you can and will experience life again. We're meant to experience life after death. Life after life, right? Exactly. Life after life. That's yeah. what we're meant to experience. Death is part of that circle of life. It is. And we need to understand that. That's a great outlook. I know it's probably taking you time to get there, but it's an amazing mm-hmm. outlook. Um, you weren't always a grief coach. You weren't a grief coach before you lost Courtney, were you? No, no, I was not. <laughs> but were you a grief coach before you lost Connor? No. Wow. Um, I, I have formal education. I have a degree in business marketing and I have a degree in exercise science. And and like I said, I've, I've done a lot of personal development and really working with people to make change and to be able to say, this is how we think about it. This is how we see it. And I wouldn't have chosen this path. I've been in in fitness and and keeping healthy. But this path was one that was handed to me. I believe that's my purpose and that I really need to help others. I want to help others. And when I looked at how I've made it through, I was like, okay, these are the tools and resources that I've used. It makes sense because when Courtney passed in 1991, there weren't those resources. And so I struggled. I had my mom and my sister and a few circle of friends, but people didn't talk about it. Um, you know, there weren't the resources, there weren't grief groups, there wasn't social media. And now it's changed. And I still feel, especially in the realm of suicide, yeah. that that again is that elephant in the room. And then you couple it with child suicide and nobody wants to talk about it but I'm here to share and talk about that because it's important and so my calling has changed but it's I've all my practical experiences when I I feel that traditional therapy is just focused on mental and emotional health just so much of that but I know that it's bigger when I was personal training I had a company called whole body fitness encompassing encompassing the entire body so now i bring together a holistic with a w holistic approach where we talk about you as a whole person where i cover physical mental emotional and spiritual well-being and through my experiences my my walk and my faith i believe in god but your spirituality can be nature to be grounded but I think we all have something that we believe in 
that helps us some sort of higher power in these times of trials and tribulations and whatever that looks like. Then it comes to the physical health where our body is so connected with these four components. I mean, if we don't take care of our physical health, if we don't eat well, well, all of that sugar and the gluten that we get can add to our inability to focus and how we feel and it can add to depression. But when we get up and eat better food, fruits and vegetables and drink water, we mm -hmm. can then fuel our physical body and our physical body then fuels our mental and our brain and our, our ability to think. And when we get up and exercise, we produce endorphins, endorphins that literally help us feel better. So taking that holistic approach and bringing all these components. And so these are the things I know through all the personal training and that I've done with others. I do nutrition coaching and see the association of what we eat and how it's related to our physical and mental and um, spiritual and emotional health. So I brought together this unique set of tools because it's not spoken about it yeah. in my life experiences in knowing how we think. And so that is where the grief coaching comes about. I've chosen to bring together my experiences. I know what's worked for me. And I know it has been very beneficial and to share it with others. And what I say is, again, taking a tenant from 12-step programs, take what you like and leave the rest. Yeah. But I know what these work, that these work for me. That's why. That's, I feel, very qualified and experienced. I think that experience trumps actually book knowledge and theory. Yeah, I agree. And that I can bring together those tools to help others. And I've been very successful with that. My clients come in with little to no hope and thinking, oh my gosh, how can I make it through this? And by the time they're done in my grief coaching programs, they're able to say, there's hope, there's light, I feel better, I'm experiencing life again, I can laugh, and, and that's what we're meant to do. But without our usual resources of even 50 years ago when we had people to support us, now that's what I bring to them. I am that support. And it's so needed. It's so needed. Yeah. Um. So your first book, because you have two, so your second one is just brand new, but your first book, Life After Child Loss, that's the one that you were talking about that you thought it would just be taking all the, the Facebook posts, which in themselves, I'm sure, are ama an amazing help. Um, but um, one thing I did read about you, actually, that I must mention is that you have a Thursday Thoughts blog. Is that right? I do. I do. And one of the things I really believe that's made my books so successful in my Thursday Thought blogs is because it's about my experiences, what I'm going through yeah. and how it, how it relates is, is, so yeah, I write this Thursday Thoughts blog. You can sign up for it on my website. You can see my posts, um, but I can email them and it, it's about the experiences, what I'm going through. And, you know, one of those that I had shared about is it just, it resonated with me to the core is that I attended a wedding mm -hmm. and 
of course I was missing my son because all the dancing about there and all the kids and of course and I was just like oh, oh my gosh my son my son would be in the middle of this mosh pit of, of everybody dancing and having so much fun and the bride made her round she goes well have you seen Connor and I was like no and I thought we, she was maybe talking about another friend you know um, yeah. that that I didn't know and she goes no he's out on the memorial table they Aww. had posted pictures of him along with the grandparents who weren't able to attend and one of the groom's friends who had passed away and they acknowledged him with that and I mean I tell you that was just like oh my gosh I can't believe that they did that and just it's to so share important. things like that that had, that it resonated with me and and I just share different things that happens like oh well we're coming up on Christmas again this is how I'm feeling or um, even this comment that I received in recently we spoke about that text message and and finding my purpose and knowing that I I'm not stopping because I know I'm making a difference and that's opportunity just to I show my vulnerability still my heartache because I'm not ever totally healed. It's scarred over and sometimes it gets ripped open a little bit and then it'll heal up and, and but continue to heal, never 100%. Life will never be 100% the way it was, but today is a different day versus yesterday. I can't repeat sure. yesterday. No. So I also think about that and just embracing what I have today and, and what's my purpose and how I can make a difference. But also having Connor part of what's going on now, that must be so important. You know, as I said, you know, to validate his life, he's still part of the family, you know, in spirit, in spirit. Okay, he's not here physically, but in spirit he is, you know, so I think that that's beautiful to include him in the wedding. Sorry, let's come back to your book. Okay, Life After Child Loss. So we kind of spoke about it briefly okay it came about because of you know um your experience with the loss after connor and what you went through okay and so and it's a bestseller so congratulations on that okay and i'm sure you've helped so many because your passion is to help parents you know i mean as a grief coach you, you can help a lot of people with grief but i know your passion is to help parents so the new book okay um specifically about connor's loss it's called survive your child's suicide okay how to move through grief to healing mm -hmm. tell us about it well here's the book and so for those who know, are watching on video uh, peggy's holding up her survive your child's suicide book so it's brand new out so I'm sure this is solely about, I mean, it says it's, it's called Survive Your Child's Suicide. So it's about parents dealing with the loss through suicide. What's the first thing you say to a parent when you meet them? Meeting them where they are and acknowledging genuinely that they are, I'm walking alongside, I bear witness to their loss. I bear witness to their pain. I understand. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry that this has happened. And it's and to acknowledge that it's a tragedy. It is. Um, so the way this book came about was very interesting. Is so as I personally sought grief support groups and 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 help, 
Um, I attended some and I found it just didn't resonate with me. It mm -hmm. was, I, don't, I didn't like the format. I didn't like the, um, because it was a, a video and then conversation, which isn't so bad, but the videos, um, more of those who were theoretical versus somebody speaking from experience. And then in the group, it was not parents, it was more spouses and siblings, none children, and nobody experienced suicide. And I found I wasn't getting the support that I needed. I was like, mm -hmm. whoa, that's just this. Um, as a matter of fact, I returned their manual back to them because I, it, it just it wasn't relevant. It wasn't relevant. And so with that, I was like, well, I've written one. And now when I thought about more about how I made it through. So both books are, are, are different. Um, but I really wanted to pull together something to offer to my church and say, you know what, let's replace that program with what I've got going. So I dug in deep to write a program and presented it to my church and multiple reasons, but they declined. I'm like, well, okay. And, and, that, and that's okay. Yeah. But then I realized that this was my second book. That some that this was the format for my book, and really, I did some research, talked to multiple publishers, found one, had a conversation, and she said, "Tell you what, we'll do. Send me your manuscript. She'll send it to three editors who would mm -hmm. review it and look at my writing style, how much work my writing style would need, how much help I would need in making this a publisher book." one that was viable and within 24 hours after sending it to one editor, I received a personal message from her says, here's a sample of my editing process and I am available and I want to do this project. Oh, bless her. And so taking all of these different things and pulling those together and making them available. And that's when I realized through my whole process is that what was the point to be able to move forward was to accept, accept that this has happened, give myself permission to grieve, permission to heal. Then I talk about understanding your fear. There's fear associated with it, naming it and, and um, facing it. We have fear that our child's going to be forgotten or fear that doing this pain, going through this pain is not going to bring us to that peace and joy and happiness or the fear of judgment. It's like, well, I should be acting this way at work or I should be acting this way. And then mm -hmm. we, the, a person can go inside themselves. So there is those, are those fears. Yeah. And then I come into the recovery where I speak of that holistic approach in physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. In this is intended to give a different perspective. Therapy, counseling, psychologists focus more on talk therapy. There's this, I'm, I'm focused on activity and action that help yeah. us to move forward. How we directly 
move and eat and drink water and how we think. Do we tell ourselves stories or, um, you know, am I going to stay in this place forever or I have hope and that spirituality. So it's, I was able to bring these together. And the friend, one of the friends that encouraged me, she also writes book, totally different genre. Um, mm-hmm. But she said, when I wrote the first one, or encouraged, she goes, you're going to write many more books. <laughs> I laughed yeah, at that, not the first one, because I had never envisioned I would write one. Now I have two. Yeah. And I have others. I know they're there. But it's all about serving others and helping them. And I just want to come back because I don't want to make it about religion or anything. But do you think that your church um, aren't into this because it's suicide? Or did they give you any reason why they weren't accepting of your program? Um, Some of it was because it wasn't up and online yet. Oh, okay. Um, format although I had I have videos and in you know the 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 workbook and stuff and so there was a couple of different things so and that's okay yeah I would be published in a book had that not happened (laughs) well that's very true that's very true so it's going to benefit us all and not just your local group so I suppose we're, we're glad for that so look, I will put um, the links to your website and to your book and you know where people can sign up for your blog in the description box attached here because you know there's so many people that will be able to get some help and some hope you know from just listening to you. Um, I don't know, can I say you're at the other side of it? Probably not, but can I say you're living with it? Probably, mm-hmm. and, you know, you are on a daily basis. Can I ask you one final question before I let you go from a spiritual point of view? Have you ever had a sign from Connor? Has he ever given you a sign? Multiple, multiple (laughs) signs. Um, You know, and actually the day of his funeral, I feel like he had a sign. His funeral was, I think at 10 a.m. And I talked about that physical activity. I went for a run and the sunrise was absolutely stunning. So it started with that. And then yeah. there's been other things, and, and it's been said that they can um, manipulate electrical energy they can, quite yeah. easily. And, and I have a China buffet that has lights in it, and that buffet will come on, and it'll go off. And <laughs> you know, just even other things is while I'm out hiking that I'll see a deer, and, and you know, I'm like, um, or a red robin that comes by, or a hummingbird. So... I really do see that those as signs because yeah. they're like signs out of the ordinary or that I'm thinking about them and then boop, there comes Bambi, there comes the deer, you know, then, yeah. I, then I, I see it. So, yes, very much. He's so. always around. I love that. I love that. Peggy, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. You know, um, I don't know if I could be so brave to talk about it in the detail that you do. So, you know, I really appreciate it. I know the people listening will as well. And um, they c- I know people will be signing up for your Thursday blog because, you know, anything that can help people get through another day, let alone a week, um, is really helpful at those times. So thank you yeah. so much. Best of luck with your new book. Um, I hope that also gets on the bestsellers list because, you know, unfortunately, it's the times we live in suicide. Um, is something that I, I, I don't think I can say it's on the rise, but it definitely seems to be 
more prevalent. I don't know. I, I don't remember hearing about so many when I was growing up, but you definitely hear of so many these days, you know? Yeah. Well, it is on the rise, um, especially it? through the pandemic. It's on the rise. And, um, I've seen some very young children, as young as 10, and then even seniors. And I want to add to this, Sandy, is that because yeah. of my passion to serve others, is that I do offer a consultation, a free consultation, and wow. and it's international, you know, because you're in Ireland and I'm in the yeah. United States. And because in one way that the pandemic has opened up the doors for people to understand that there is it's video amazing. conferencing and that I work with others in across the nations, across the world, in helping them to move through this. And so that is available. You can sign up for a consultation on my website and that we work together, you know, and wow. accommodate this seven hour time span yes. that it can be done and that there's hope from, from the States, from the United States to Ireland, to all your listeners around the world. That's amazing. And thank you so much for sharing that. So that's something that I'm sure people would want to to um, to make use of, because, you know, I always say to people, if you can meet the person that you're going to be investing in or that you're going to be spending time with, see if it's someone that you can, um, you know, click with, because that's so important. Peggy, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure and hopefully that we'll cross paths again in the future. And uh, thanks for telling us about Courtney and Connor, your babies. And thank guys, you. you've, oh, thank you. Um, and for those of you listening, thank you so much for listening. I will see you in the next episode of Life After Life. Until then, take care and stay safe. Discussing everything about the afterlife and spirit.